Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops here. Delighted that you're along as always as we work through another week and we get set to head into the weekend. We do so per usual with Ryan Stieg. He's kind enough to lend us his time on Fridays and co-host the show with us on those days. What's going on, Ryan? Not much. Uh, just uh, I'm intrigued with the sports world and what's going on. As everybody else says, you wonder what... Uh, what leagues are coming back and when, and uh, of course, nobody really knows, so it's <laughs> kind of a mystery. That's it is kind changing, of a... yep, day by day, it keeps changing, hour by hour, and it, nobody seems to have a definitive answer, but we're optimistic, we're cautiously optimistic, hoping that something is going to take place here sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's basically my mindset as well. So we got sports to talk about nonetheless, including Northern Michigan rounding out their schedule earlier this week. Ryan is the beat writer for the team. Plus, I've got a list in front of me from NHL.com of the top coaches of the modern era. We're going to go through that list, tell you what we like and what we don't like. The German Professional Soccer League resumes tomorrow. They have been clear to play, and uh, one coach was going to make his coaching debut with his new team. And he no longer is allowed to do so. We'll tell you why. Plus, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but just a bizarre game show that has been on, but now it's going to be pretty darn prime time with all eyes on it in the absence of live sports. I was not planning to talk about it, but I heard an outstanding, just weird interview today on ESPN Radio that I have to talk about it. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour, but Ryan, let's start with Northern Michigan hockey because earlier today, uh, earlier this week, I should say they rounded out their schedule. They were able to fill their opening weekend non-conference road trip. And you said last, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago when they first released that? I, either or, you said you thought it'd be one of the Big Ten teams, probably Michigan, Michigan State, or Wisconsin. And it does, in fact, turn out to be the Badgers. And I, I kind of see this as a win for both programs here. The, you've got Northern. Anytime you can play a Big Ten school, I know Wisconsin's at the bottom of the Big Ten generally, but anytime you can play a Big Ten school, it looks good. And for Wisconsin, you round out your non-conference early schedule with a pretty formidable mid-major, very respectable mid-major. I think this ended up being a win for both teams. Yeah, um, anytime you can get a Big Ten school to uh, agree to play you, that's always good. Um, when uh, Michigan State came up here last year, it was a packed house. It was the first time outside of a Tech game where I've actually seen the Barry sell out, and it just shows that uh, how – major schools can have an effect on your arena and that was a big day for northern they ended up splitting had a good chance to get a sweep but still ended up getting one out of the two and uh it was it was really cool to see the badgers uh there was this streak of excuse me the uh the streak of games where northern played wisconsin every year it was like four or five, maybe even six years, and then they came to an end, but it involved Wisconsin coming to play Northern in Green Bay, which would be in Wisconsin, and Northern would be the host team for a game in Wisconsin. <laughs> and then Northern would have would periodically play in Madison as well in exchange for Wisconsin to come in Green Bay. I always thought this was the dumbest arrangement, <laughs> you know, when I got here because not only you're out, you're the home team, but you're not even on your home rink. 
you're having to leave the state to be the home team in a game. I guess Wisconsin was so particular, they didn't want to actually come up here. So uh, that was the agreement they came up with. But from what I heard, they are, NMU is insisting that Wisconsin come up here. So the Badgers will be coming up here in Marquette. However, it probably won't be next year. It'll probably be the year after that. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next question from uh, anything that you've heard. Is this a home-and-home home series? But it sounds like it is, and the Badgers will end up coming to Northern. Why not next year, though? Why are they taking maybe a gap year? Have you heard anything about that? Um, from what I've gathered, uh, teams are already starting to figure out their schedules for next year, and uh, that's just kind of doesn't have a chance to fit them in. So, but... You know, you see that a lot. Um, you know, I, wasn't it like, uh, I can't remember if it was Tech or Michigan. Tech and Michigan a couple of years where they had a gap year, and then Michigan eventually came up to Houghton. So um, I'm not sure if that was the case, but you see that sometimes, and it's usually the team that has, it's usually the Big Ten school that, you know, kind of drags its feet on it as long as it as far as I possibly can to actually have to go to a smaller school. Um, that's, it will happen. I was told that NMU is insisting that it's a home-and-home, and, home and uh, the Green Bay thing has come to an end. I did get to go to one of the Green Bay games. It was fun in its own way, but still, it was just weird. And I, I know Grant was not a fan of it. <laughs> and I think he might have been the guy who actually <laughs> negated that possibly happening in the future again. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll be great to have the Badgers come up here probably in two years. And uh, it should be a sellout. And people get up for Big Ten games, so that'd be great. Was it the Resch Center? Was that where they played it when they went to Green Bay? Yep, yep it was the Resch Center right across from Lambeau Field. Uh, it, was, it was convenient. Um, for fans, because uh, if they wanted to tour the stadium and if they wanted to stay, you know, for the game on Sunday, because the Packers were in town, they were playing the Saints that weekend. So if you really want, if an NME fan wanted to make a weekend out of it, you could catch both hockey games and then get the Packer game on uh, on Sunday. So that was, it was a kind of a nice thing for them. How big is the Resch Center? I know the Gamblers play there in the USHL, but is that a big arena? I've never been there. It's a uh, I want to say 5,000, maybe six. So, I it's mean, respectable. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's respectable. I mean, it, it's, it's a nice arena. I mean, it's modern. It's, you know, they have a smoothie stand that serves <laughs> alcohol in it. So that, that's kind of fun. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm into it then. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. I might go down for a hockey game for it alcohol smoothie um <laughs> kind of a kind of a wisconsin invention though is that maybe the most wisconsin invention i've ever heard of it might be uh, probably anything alcohol poured into anything is a wisconsin <laughs> invention so yeah i uh i'd never seen that before i partook with them i figured i was off the clock i'm just tweeting <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just at the game why not how was it uh, 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 the smoothie or the game uh, both yeah. More, well, more importantly, the smoothie. I'm more interested in the smoothie. <laughs> the smoothie is actually pretty good. Um, it's not overloaded with alcohol. It's like a, I mean, it's like, it's almost like they pour a shot in there is what they did. Okay. So, I mean, it's not overpowering, but uh, it, it tastes good. Uh, my wife had one too, so she enjoyed it. So, the game, on the other hand, uh, uh, Northern ended up winning the game. Um, they blew a lead, 
um, which led to an unhappy Grant Patoni. Uh-huh. But uh, Denver, uh, Denver Pierce wanted an overtime um, on a just long shot on an offensive rush where I think he teed it up just as he was crossing the blue line. And uh, the Wisconsin goal, it was either a great shot or just a really poor goaltending move because because <laughs> it got like just under the crossbar. And uh, I thought the guy should have had it, but uh, it was a big celebration. The guys were happy. Grant wasn't. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody else was happy at the game. I did some interviews after it, even though it wasn't going to be in the paper. So it was a fun experience. So. I tell you what, Ryan, um, it's a new coaching staff over in Wisconsin. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, if my memory serves me right, this is a new coaching staff than the last time Northern played Wisconsin. Is that correct? Uh Let's see. I don't um, believe well, the Granados were there. Uh, the Granados were there. Were they? Um, well, 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 when I was at the game, the Granados, um, I think that might have been his first year okay. uh, at the helm. Um, and that was when Wisconsin was going through his, it's trying to get over the um, the Mike Eves stage, which mm-hmm. is too bad because Mike Eves was actually a very effective coach. Um, took them to the, you know, they won their national championship in 06, made it back to the championship in 2010, but it just didn't, you know, pan out for them. You know, it just, uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but it just, they faltered the last like three years under him, bought, completely bottoming out the last two. And so they replaced him with Granado. He's done okay there, but, uh, you know, not to the typical standards for what, uh, you know, is that at Wisconsin? Yes, it was his first year. I just Googled it. So, <laughs> it, Perfect. Was his first, it, it was his first year at the helm. So, uh, but uh, let's see, since he's been there, they've got, they went 20 and 15 in their first year, then 14, 19, then 14, 18, <laughs> then 14, 20. So, Wisconsin started off their first year under Granado. They didn't play that bad. And then they've kind of, gotten back to what they were so i'm it, it, they're in a different interesting situation right now let's put it that way well what what i was getting at is what i wanted to ask is that the granados of course have uh ties to usa hockey and grant does as well uh, do you think that factored into this at all or that it came to be that wisconsin northern would play each other because of those usa hockey ties um you know i think there's some ties there um that c- could have played a role um, I know that, uh, you know, they had that arrangement. They wanted to get out of the Green Day thing, but they had that arrangement with Wisconsin for a long time. It's right across the border. There are some Badgers fans in the UP. It creates that. It, it's kind of like if you can't get Michigan and you can't get State, try to get Wisconsin. Is <laughs> basically kind of what the the idea, I think, is. Because everybody gets up for Michigan and they get up for State, as we saw last year. But um, if you can't get them, try to get Wisconsin. And I think uh, they've got them, and uh, that's really cool. I'm, in a couple of years, that they're probably going to get them up here. And uh, I know fans will be excited about that, too. Well, provided we do have the season again, we're hoping that yes. we do. <laughs> You're thinking about heading down to Madison? I've talked to a few other sportscasters and media members up here, and I'm, I'm thinking about heading down, man. I, yeah, we're in that crow's nest of a press box they have for hockey, but uh, you think about making a road trip out of it? Um. I haven't quite decided yet. Okay. I, uh, um, Wisconsin, uh, Madison's kind of a jaunt. Um, it is a crazy town. Um, you are getting there right before Halloween, so you're not dealing with the 
gigantic party that Madison has every year for Halloween, their legendary Halloween get-together. You're sweetening um, the pot for me, Ryan. <laughs> it's a... Uh, um, it's a... Uh, it's a cool town. I, I'm thinking about it, but uh, I'm also planning on going up for the Grand Forks series. Mm. So I don't know. It's like, is it feasible to do both trips in a year, or should I just focus on the one? Because I was already going to Grand Forks. Do I add another one? So I don't know. It's kind of up in the air on that one. But if I do go, I know I'll have fun. And you know that you're going to have to bring binoculars because, let's be honest, the Cole Center it is a basketball arena. It's not a multi-purpose arena. It is an arena designed for basketball, which also hosts hockey, although it's not built to host hockey. Yeah, and uh, it's also like Ohio State's arena, built for basketball, not built for hockey. So you're not going to have – you're going to be up in the rafters there. Uh, North Dakota's – the press box is at the very, very top, but it's built for hockey. Mm-hmm. So you can see everything. You might, you know, have to – look closely <laughs> if you're up there in the box and like, okay, who really scored that goal? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's not like you're gonna have to use, you know, enhanced <laughs> visual gear to be able to see what's going on. It uh I mean usually the uh when I was at UND and I was covering games, I would have to look and say like I would look Simply at the guy who was celebrating. <laughs> That's how I indicated who scored. And then uh, rather than, okay, I think he scored, but we'll see who's celebrating first. Who's at the front that. of the line when they uh, go by yeah. the bench and do fist bumps? Yeah, yeah who's, that, who's, that, who's going to be that guy? Well, and then they get weird. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes like it'd be the guy who got the assist who went through first, <laughs> and you're wondering what happened there. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, UND is a great trip, so if any fans are going to – go up there now i will let you know grand forks is not madison madison in october is fun grand forks in january is not fun <laughs> <laughs> you're getting into like 40 30 40 below weather and uh not a lot of scenic things to do but there is hockey that is the big thing in town so you're going to have a packed house so the atmosphere up there is going to be a blast Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you here in ESPN-UP. We'll take our first time out when we come back. NHL.com writers came out with their list of the best coaches of the modern era. We'll break it down next on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm EJ Kostriva, regional president. And it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Comriders came out with their list of the top hockey coaches of the modern era. Now, they have a Super 16. I'll give you 11 through 16, but Ryan, in the interest of time, let's just break down the top 10. But tell me if anybody is of interest to you or, you know, kind of makes you go, hmm, and 11 through 16 on this list. Number 11, Jacques Lemaire. Number 12, Pat Quinn. Number 13, Daryl Sutter. 
Number 14, Torts, John Tortorella. 15, Roger Nielsen. And number 16, Lindy Ruff. I think that's all a good thing. I mean, they've all were successful. I mean, Torts won a cup with Tampa. <laughs> so, I mean... I can understand. I think he's a controversial figure, and he's <laughs> he's very polarizing, but I think he would deserve to be in the top 16. Yeah. Let's go to the top 10, then. And again, NHL.com, uh, their writers put this together, the best coaches of the modern hockey era. Coming in at number 10, Mike Keenan. Well, he won a cup with the Rangers. They ended their drought. Um, I know Mike Keenan, uh, I'm pretty sure, wasn't he with the Wings for a stretch? He might have been. Not off the top of my head, yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, he was also like uh, Torts. Uh, he was successful, but uh, controversial. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, you know, if I, I think he was with the Wings. Um, so if he won Cups with them too, then he definitely deserves in the top 10. So yeah, I put him up there. Number nine, the late, great Pat Burns, a guy who. You think about it, Ryan, he retired in 05 because of cancer, and that eventually is what claimed his life in 2010, but posthumously was added to the NHL Hall of Fame, and he did get a cup in 03. You think maybe he could have got a couple more later in his career should he have been able to enjoy that, had he been able to experience that. I I think um, I think the Devils maybe were in 03 were kind of at the end, of their dynasty, mm -hmm. but I think um, he would have made the playoffs had he, you know, I think with the Devils, um, and maybe if he stuck around to one of the other teams that were starting to build up at that time, I think he'd be very successful. I think he was a great, um, I think he was a great coach to watch, and uh, I love those Devil teams back in the day. Those were a blast. Number eight is Fred Shero, a guy who is most known for his work with the 1970s era Philadelphia Flyers. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see it. You know, Phil, it was the last time Philly's won a cup. They've been uh, when the Broad Street Bullies era. Um, uh, you know, that was, uh, they were a hit there. Um, Philadelphia has always been kind of a, you know, it's the Eagle City. Hmm. But for that's, but Philly's also got very passionate ha hockey fans, and uh, they hold that era very highly. So uh, I would definitely think he deserves to be that, too. Number seven on this list, and again, it was put together by the NHL.com writers, the greatest coaches in hockey history, at least the modern era. Here's a name Red Wing fans will be familiar with, Mike Babcock. Ooh. Um, yeah, definitely deserving. On a side note, Mike Keenan was not with the Wings. Uh, he was with the Blues and the Blackhawks. Um, was kind of run out of town, looks like, in the Blackhawks. Only spent one year with the Rangers. Mm. Got them that cup, and then was promptly tossed <laughs> out of town. <laughs> so, uh, so, sorry for listeners. I thought he was with the Wings. Turns out he was with the Blackhawks and the Blues instead. So, my bad on that. Um, but getting back to Mike Babcock. Yes, uh, definitely on the list. He, uh, you know, won that cup in 08. He um, just, he's got, he is controversial. I know Toronto is demanding why he hasn't won a cup for them yet because they paid him a ton of money <laughs> to, you know, come out and, uh, you know, end their long drought. Um, and uh, hasn't quite got there yet. I know he's gotten some controversial for some things he said coaching you know uh 
the whole Bill Peters thing, you yeah. know, he was passed out. There's allegations going against Babcock too, but he seems to be uh, <laughs> kind of doing okay, I think, in uh, <laughs> his book. But, uh, you know, it's uh, he definitely deserves to be uh, on the list there. Um, uh, uh, we'll see. He was, you know, tossed out of, you know, Toronto, of course. Um, but uh, I think he'll get picked up, you know, by somebody eventually. He's he's too good of a coach to be let go. And he was also the coach for the Ducks in 2003. Yep, made the so, cup final that year. Yeah, so uh, definitely a good coach. Um, <laughs> I know he wasn't able to get it done in Toronto, but for the quality of a coach, I think he'll eventually get picked up again. Number six on this list, and this one pains me as a Penguins fan just from a couple of years ago. I know he's not with Washington anymore, but Barry Trotz. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, definitely deserving, you know. Uh, Barry was always that uh, that guy that you're wondering if he was ever going to get it done um, and uh, finally did. <laughs> so, you know, good for him. Uh <laughs> Um, wait, he, he got, yeah, that's, I remember he got the cup to cap the capitals. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And resigned and went to New York. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I I know the Islanders are getting frustrated, but that's New York, Mm -hmm. you know, New York, if you don't win immediately, (laughs) you know, they're going to not like you very well. So, but, uh, after a long, you know, a long time in Washington, he finally got it done. He was fairly successful in Nashville too. So yeah, I would say um, for recent coaches, he deserves to be up there. Yeah. Going into the top five NHL.com's list of the greatest hockey coaches of the modern era. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about number five, Ryan, because you and I have had many conversations about him. He was wildly successful for a long time and his career just came to a point where you just want him to step down. Kind of like a Brett Favre type guy, almost Ken Hitchcock. Ken Hitchcock, one of those guys that has just lingered in the league. And he lingered too long. Yeah, much too long. Uh, According to Grandpa Tony, didn't he say, like, he can't skate? I think think that's right. Now that you mentioned it, I think Grant did say that. Yeah, so I don't know how you can become an NHL coach and not be able to skate on the ice, but, (laughs) you know, I I guess um, if you're able to get past that. um, You know, he – Won a cup with the Stars in you know 1999. Um, that that hurt for me as you know as a Minnesotan to see that team mm-hmm. you know win the Stanley Cup. That hurt. Uh, um, had a solid year in Columbus. Did pretty well in Philadelphia, but he wasn't able to get it done. He just he can get you to the playoffs, but he's not going to get you a cup. And I think that's just I don't know <laughs> what's the deal there, um, why he was never able to do it. But he was always that guy on the list where, okay, we need a coach. Well, Ken's been here before. You know, we'll go grab him. <laughs> He's got experience. <laughs> yeah, which is the most frustrating thing with coaching. I've said that on the show. I've said this past on the show as well multiple times. I don't understand the whole experience thing. It's like – Okay, you coached 20 years and never won a cup. Okay, I mean, what kind of marketing standpoint is that? And you, <laughs> and, and you were fired four times. I mean, in any other profession, 
if I was applying for a job and I said, well, I was fired four times, you know, but I deserve this. <laughs> I'd probably get laughed out of the room, you know, it's, uh, but that's how coaching is. And uh, I think, I think he deserves to be in the top 10, but uh, I wouldn't put him in the top five. I would say more in the lower half. That. Number four on this list, NHL.com's writers uh, put together the greatest coaches of the modern era. It's Glenn Sather, a guy who obviously has done a lot for the city of New York and hockey there and played a prominent role in attracting Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Um, he coached the Cup, to, uh, the Oilers, to four Cup victories. Uh, Edmonton hasn't been the same since. <laughs> they didn't make the Cup in that one year uh, against Carolina. Um, but uh, he wasn't there for that. But uh, obviously, definitely in the top five, just doing what he could. Got Gretzky um, to the Rangers. Um, did he get Gretzky to the Rangers? Yes, yep. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I know he coached the Rangers for a couple of seasons. Um, got uh, Didn't do very well there, um, but uh, he was successful in Edmonton. And uh, I definitely – when he wins four Stanley Cups as a coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> you deserve to be in the list. And so. he is number four on that list. Going to number three, uh, this is a, one of the guys that, again, I hold in high regard and was wrongfully fired, I thought, a few years ago. Coach Q, Joe Quenville. I, I don't know how the Blackhawks thought getting rid of Joe Quenville was going to fix stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the guy ended their long drought, got them – three Stanley Cups, basically turned the team from that team that by all logic should have won another Stanley Cup, but you know, completely has fallen apart. The Blackhawks used to be just a f- angry fan base mm-hmm. because their ownership it was terrible and cheap and decided, oh, our games don't need to be broadcast anymore. <laughs> so it was, but he, he and Rocky Wirtz helped turn the Blackhawks into a contender. You could say the Blackhawks, you could make the case that they were the team of the team of the tens. Oh yeah. 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 They were probably the team of the decade as much as I'd like to say it was Pittsburgh. It's probably, (laughs) I don't know. There's, there's, I would probably say the Blackhawks is an unbiased media professional. Yeah. uh, As unbiased, I would say the Hawks for that stretch of five years, they were dominant and you could make the case in 2014 that they should have also won another one. Had they won four, I think they would be a lock for uh, the team of the decade. But, uh, yeah, definitely Joe, Joey, uh, <laughs> Joey, Joe Glenville should be on the list for the top three. We are getting down to the top two greatest hockey coaches of the modern era, according to NHLwriters.com. Right, you have kind of an idea. I'm pretty sure you're going to know who's number one. But number two is Al Arbor and – I, you know, in these top two, I was doing the NBA's uh, greatest players of all time from ESPN the other day, and we kind of knew who the top two were going to be. Well, we did know who the top two were going to be on that list, kind of like we know who the top two are going to be on this list. And Al Arbor, no surprise, comes in at number two. No surprise there. Um, uh, just he's well-deserving of it. And, uh, I mean, I he's kind of like that guy that, maybe has kind of been forgotten mm-hmm. among some people. Uh, you know, he wasn't typically that, you know, 
how do I say it? Not memorable in his own way. He wasn't like an overtly, you know, he wasn't John Tortorella. Successful, but not memorable. He didn't have the big personalities. Yeah, that's kind of a thing. But uh, he, uh, if if Quenville isn't going to (laughs) be in the top two, then I would definitely put him up there too. So number one, Ryan, I'm, I bet all of our listeners at this point know it right now. So uh, this is extremely undramatic. Coach Scott, Scotty Bowman. Mm-hmm. I Scotty Bowman is considered by many to be the best coach of all time. You know, it's I um, not just in the. It, it really, what would you define as the modern era? Are we talking like since 1967? Okay, yeah. I mean, he he's definitely. I mean, Stanley Cup wins. He's got nine. I mean, that's a record for the NHL. He's gotten five with the Canadians, one with the Penguins, and three with the Red Wings. Um, he helped end the Wings' long drought, got them out of the Dead Wings era and into their dynasty, um, got the Penguins their uh, their second Stanley Cup, and that that the Canadians – I mean, I know Philadelphia had that period of time where they won two cups, and that was big. But the Canadians were uh, four straight Stanley Cups at the end of the '70s. I mean, they were um, they were just dominant. And uh, I, th- there's no doubt. I think he's the best coach of all time, and uh, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, you know, and I love him as a Penguins fan because he got that cup in 1992, and then. Red Wings fans can love him, too, because, of course, he coached what I consider to be the greatest Red Wings team of all time. Actually, we're doing some promos on that, Ryan. We're doing a series of promos on several of the area teams, what we think their greatest team of all time was. Would you agree that the 2002 Red Wings were the greatest version that Detroit ever put out there? Um, Yeah, I would say for the Red Wings, that's probably their best one. Um, that was his last year coaching. Um, well, I like the whole going out on top yeah. kind of thing. If you're a coach, you know, if you've reached a point where you're just like, you know, I kind of had enough, you may as well go out while you're on top. So I like that. Um, for the wings. Yeah. I mean, that team was stacked. I mean, when I was <laughs> poor Carolina that year, <laughs> had that no Cinderella, yeah, Cinderella run that they got one win out of that series and they were lucky to get that one yeah. it was uh it uh that team was just that white wings team was just so good and i think most wings fans would probably agree with that yeah, oh, and, uh, uh, uh little more maybe a little known fact mm-hmm. he was also the guy who was the coach of the blues who got them to their cups mm-hmm. in the 60s so the guy was successful pretty much anywhere he went so Anytime that you can put, you know, going back to the O2 Red Wings, you can have Luke Robitaille on the fourth line. That's a pretty darn good team. Plus, uh, yeah. I think that was Pavel Datsuk's rookie year. And uh, Red Wings fans will know what he was. Uh, for many, he was their favorite player. Um, he just, the magic man. And, uh, you know, he was, <laughs> when I was in, Joe Lewis Arena in the bowels for when I saw the Wings locker room. Everybody I know who was in there wanted to get their photo in front of Pavel Dotsu's <laughs> locker or in the other ones. There were a couple who went to um, Zetterberg's locker, but uh, all of them wanted it in front of Dotsuk. So, yeah. I tell you what, he's been a fan favorite here for a long time. But let's take our next time out when we come back 
the Bundesliga resumes tomorrow. One coach supposed to make his debut with his new team will not be doing so. We'll tell you why. Plus, just a beyond bizarre interview and game show that's going to get all the nation's eyes on it this week. Next on ESPN-UP. Household Appliance is ready to take care of you and your appliance needs. May is Maytag month, and there are huge incentives right now on quality built-in-the-USA Maytag appliances. Stay home, stay safe has allowed many people to realize that their kitchen appliances need to be replaced or that their washers and dryers just aren't doing the trick. Well, Household Appliance and Market has the quality and the savings of Maytag during May is Maytag month. Maytag quality lasts, but these incentives won't last for very long. Household Appliance, where service after the sale is a tradition. Sale ends June 3rd. Lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks. Ishpeming Concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started. Get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks. That's a whole lot less than the 25 bags you'd need from the home store. Sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter. Topsoil, the softer side of Ishpeming Concrete. 400 Stone Street behind Robbins Flooring. Open weekdays 8 till 4.30. Locally owned with a total commitment to quality there's no contact paying with a credit card and you don't need to leave your vehicle now open saturdays seven to noon now back to the sports pen here's tanner who issued arrest warrants for New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks corner Quinton Dunbar. Baker and Dunbar attended a party in Florida earlier this week, and following an argument, Baker pulled out a gun and began demanding party guests give him their valuables. Dunbar and a third man assisted Baker. No shots were fired. Baker is another one of those first-round picks that the Giants absolutely swung and missed on. He's, he's been terrible anyway, so oh, whatever. <laughs> Former MLB player and manager Art Howe is in intensive care after testing positive for COVID-19 earlier this week. Howe most recently managed the New York Mets in 2004 and is known for managing the Moneyball Oakland A's. And finally, Gordon G., the 76-year-old president of West Virginia University, vows that the Mountaineers will have a football season this fall, even if he has to suit up himself. It kind of reminds me, Ryan, of that meme. You ever see that uh, old-timers game that the Kansas Jayhawks did, and it's a viral meme of a World War II veteran running the football because he played there at the time. That's kind of what I imagine would happen if Gordon G. truly does strap on the pads and wear the Mountaineer uniform. Former uh, former uh, Ohio State president. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I just I I would be intrigued to see that. <laughs> I uh, you know it, it's like that. Remember in the water boy where they asked the towel boy to suit up at Michigan <laughs> and he just gets absolutely wrecked on his first play that he's in. Uh, but, um, I don't think people are going to hold back on Gordon G if he's in the, uh, on the field. I think he brought that upon himself. So yeah, I, he, he's going to end up hurting by the end of the night. I wonder if he has any playing experience. Hmm. Played back in the day, I, maybe. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have to look that up and see if he has any playing experience. Uh, I if he doesn't, I give him even more credit for trying to come up. <laughs> Another I asset guess. for Coach Neil Brown over there 
in West Virginia. I tell you what, Ryan, uh, the Bundesliga is going to be starting up again tomorrow. It's primetime stuff for them, but it's going to be in the morning for us. So if you're looking for something tomorrow morning, live sports on ESPN, the Bundesliga, the German Professional Soccer League, is returning after a 61-day hiatus. But one coach whose debut with his new team was supposed to be tomorrow is not going to be doing so. And I am going to do my darndest with this pronunciation, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, uh, wow, I'm off to a bad start. Um, Heiko Herlich, I believe is how you say it. He coaches football club Augsburg. And Saturday, uh, tomorrow, his team was going to or is going to play Wolfsburg. But he's not going to be coaching. They're going to have an interim coach in what was supposed to be his debut with his new team because he broke quarantine. He left the team-sanctioned quarantine to go to the store and buy toothpaste and skin cream. So because of that, he has to go in self-isolation. I'm sure he thought it was no big deal. He's going to be safe. But, man, this this league has invested so much into restarting, and you get one infected person, uh, player sickness, then you got to go back on hold again, and you're losing a ton of money. So uh, it's just it wasn't a smart move by a coach who's actually been in the league for a long time. You think he would know better? He, he would. You <laughs> would think so. Yeah, I just there's a lot of people making poor decisions mm-hmm. right now, and uh, um, and I just can't think in this era why you would, and then what's the current situation going on on time? I mean, if you look at you look at the NBA, they had they had a bunch of Corona cases, mm-hmm. and they shut it down like immediately as soon as they heard about it and they're still wondering when they're going to get back i think they eventually will mm-hmm. but uh they're trying to work out a deal right now but i if you just get the chance to get back you know it just i don't understand why you would risk it and can get the create the absolute mess of the season and uh, just a really poor decision on his part. I tell you what, Ryan, if this is happening with, you know, Germans, to their credit, they handled this whole thing really, really well. And us Americans, we're already wanting to get our freedom back, what have you. I guarantee once the NHL, NBA, baseball, and eventually the NFL start up again, somebody is going to do it. Somebody's going to think they know better and that they can just make a quick run to the store, break quarantine, and they are just going to ruin the league's play. I, I guarantee it's going to happen with uh, somebody in basketball, hockey, and maybe baseball. Uh, who would you think? Does anybody come to mind who's, like, most likely to do that? Uh, DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar, maybe. Yeah, obviously, uh, they would probably be at the top of the list. I, um, Gronk. <laughs> I, I, that's the other thing I was going to say is I know football is going to be starting up much later than these sports, but I could totally see Gronk doing it. I could see Rob Gronkowski, and for some stupid reason, too, like he's in his quarantine hotel room, and he said, or he'll say something like, I don't have a pool table or a disco ball in my room, so I had to go out and get that. Like, it's going to be something superfluous like that. Yeah, I worry starting his own kegger and uh, <laughs> deciding, okay, I need more booze, uh, but uh, I don't have enough stockpiled. So uh, I I could see him doing that um, just because of his attitude. He's mm. got such a laissez, you know, uh, YOLO kind of mindset. <laughs> I think he uh, – is, is it still cool to say YOLO? I don't think it is, but honestly, it's about the best way I can think of it. More modern Ron. than laissez-faire. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I went way back, and now now I'm going, you know, to somewhat. YOLO is the new laissez-faire. There we go. Uh, I I feel less old now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I um I would say, I I know I told you Mike Beach last night, mm-hmm. just because he's got a. Mike Mike is an odd guy. Yes. You know? it, it, and, you know, he sends out great tweets and says press conferences that just make you laugh. But he's he's also he, – I would say he's of the laissez-faire era. He's not a YOLO kind of guy. He's the <laughs> one and just very much a meh, you know, if, if I get sick, I get sick kind of a thing. Um, I would say for – Hockey, I would say torts would probably be the first guy. <laughs> Remember Paul Bisonette? Yeah. It's totally I mean, something he would do. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's always a guy who just doesn't care, mm-hmm. you know? Someone who takes <laughs> stupid penalties, you know, like, uh, what about Dustin Brown? You think he might do I it? Could, I could see him. You think Brad Marchand would do it? He might. Yeah, he comes to mind. Yeah, just uh, – you know, I don't really care. You know, I don't care if people hate me. I'll just go out and do it anyway. Um, I could see that happening. Basketball? Hmm. I think a lot of former players who would do like, aren't you glad, like, Gilbert Arenas or Ron Artest aren't in the league? Because they would totally do that. They would totally break quarantine for something small like toothpaste. Ron Artest changed his name to Meta World Peace. I think he'd probably be the first guy who went out and did it. I, uh... Um, J.R. Smith? J.R. Smith, the guy, you know, who didn't understand he had the, you know, he had to shoot and had the ball. <laughs> I, I, I could see him being that dense. I would see, coaching-wise, I'm not quite sure. Uh, that one's more tough. Yeah, there's some weird coaches out there. I'd like to think that we can all take a lesson from this German soccer coach, but uh, uh, coaching-wise, there are some weirdos out there, so, you know, some characters, maybe someone who beats to their own drum that might decide, you know, I'm not bothered by this. Torts, I think, is probably the cream of the crop in that category. Oh, oh very much so, yes. I tell you what, uh, hopefully we learn a lesson from that. I do want to get to this and uh, save a little time for the Friday funnies, though, and I wasn't planning on talking about this, Ryan, but I have to after listening to just an incredible interview with <laughs> and it's not incredible like this is going to win an award it's incredible like how do these people think to say this uh and you know levitard and those guys they always raise the bar for themselves but i was listening to their show earlier today and if you want to check it out their podcast is on demand online it's worth a listen uh if you go to hour three when they had joe tessator on but tessator is you know he's uh, play-by-play guy by trait. He has a prominent role here at ESPN, even though he's not going to be calling Monday Night Football anymore. He is going to be calling something extremely unique coming up on Thursday. So we're six days away from this, and it's not a new thing. It's new in the sense that we're going to have ESPN uh, members commentating it. Um, there is a yeah, – first of all, Ryan, have you ever watched it? It's called Holy Moly. It is a mini-golf uh, – I don't know. It's like a a mix of a reality show and a golf tournament, a mini golf tournament, where they do outrageous things, and the courses are just insane. And 
uh, obnoxious almost. Like, they, they are doing things like lighting parts of contestants' clothes on fire or whatever. Like, Tessator was talking about this sweet 65-year-old grandmother who brought in cookies to the staff and everything. They lit part of her clothes on fire or something when they're, when she's trying to putt. It's, it's just weird, extreme television. And they are going to premiere a new season on ABC Thursday night at 9 Eastern. So this coming Thursday, you can watch Holy Moly on ABC at 9 with Joe Tessitore, Rob Regal, and Steph Curry as the broadcast team. I'm interested to see why Steph Curry would be there. <laughs> well, I think he's like one of the founders of it. Yeah. I, You know, it just seems like a out-of-place thing for him. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> Um, I could see Rob Riggle definitely being a part of it. Yep. Uh, um, it's just, wow. Um, and aren't the Watts trying to do some tag game? I think so. I think so. I don't know how far along that is, but they have the concept for it, I think. I, we are so desperate <laughs> at this point that, I mean, wasn't ESPN, I know they're your parent company, but mm. weren't they doing the Cornhole Championship oh, yeah. slides? Well, they did that before this whole thing. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that, that's primetime television. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, 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 part of me feels like this is getting sad. It is. It know? is sad. I mean, in NASCAR, they, they put out a statement or whatever. Marty Smith talked about it. They think that this is kind of an opportunity for them to be totally centered. Like, it, it, can you imagine the last time NASCAR was the premier sporting event on Sundays? I the last time I remember that happening was maybe the Jeff Gordon era. I, I don't know if it ever happened. And I don't think that's even even that's maybe a reach. because uh, it's so it's the South mm -hmm. and somewhat of the Midwest. I mean the, the car racing can be I know Wisconsin's got a niche there and I know you know, in Indiana, of course, obviously, I used to live there in Indianapolis. Motor car is big there. But uh, it's just, it's such a regional sport that I, I don't think it's ever been, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like I said, when well-known drivers used to be known, like Jeff Gordon and, you know, maybe Jimmy Johnson, I could see NASCAR growing in popularity, but I don't think it's ever been must-see TV. <laughs> now now it can be. I mean, Ryan Newman, remember that fiery crash he was in that he, he called himself a walking miracle, and he's returning to the track, so they even have a storyline to pitch. I, it's, <laughs> it, I never thought I'd see the day, but I guess I – and uh, the other thing is NASCAR tracks are massive, mm -hmm. you know, so – I mean, the Talladega Super Speedway doesn't have like at least like at least a hundred thousand people, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, like two days from now, when they return, NASCAR is going to be the biggest sporting event in the world for the first time, maybe ever, in a single day. I would. It, do you think people will actually tune in to watch it? I do you know, think that their numbers are going to be up. Their ratings are going to be up. I think we're that desperate. I, I, I think they're going to be up just because they're the only ones. But I think as soon as baseball comes back, that's going to take a massive tumble. Yeah, <laughs> it, it probably will. But 
Either or, I think Holy Moly is going to be up, too. And, again, you can watch that on ABC Thursday night at 9 Eastern if you want to see 65-year-old grandmother's having her skirt lit on fire while she's trying to putt or something like that. I mean, it's just, it is outrageous. I don't know how they don't have a lawsuit, but I'm so intrigued that I'm going to watch it. Again, I encourage you to check out Hour 3 of the Levitard Show. To check out all three hours if you want. But Hour 3 at the beginning, their interview with Joe Tessitore, him and Rob Regal are going to be on the call, uh, was just incredible, just honestly incredible. Um, The names for these courses, Ryan, they are sparing no expense. This is what Testor said, is that they actually had a course called Dutch Danger. And, uh, you know, my my heritage is Dutch. I come from a very uh, prominent Dutch family. And the stereotypes are just everything you can imagine. Like, there's a, you've got to, like, dodge these windmills, like the blades of the windmills. I'm sure they're padded or whatever. But while you're putting, you've got to dodge the blades of these spinning windmills and if they hit you, they knock you off into a bed of tulips. And that wasn't good enough for the producers. So now they are increasing that. They're increasing the amount of windmills and the traps and everything. And they're calling it Double Dutch Danger. They have a different course called Buns and Wieners. I don't even know what that entails. And then uh, Testor's favorite is the hole called Uranus. So take that for what it's worth. I... I'm guessing it has something to do with space. I hope it does. That's that's my, my hope and prayer for now. But uh, that is a real thing. That's where it's come to with everything going on. Uh, I tell you what, let's take our last time out. We'll get to the Friday funnies after this here in ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Google Play. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We're glad to have you along as always. We've uh, done our share of laughing laughing uh, here early on, but we're not done. We've got the Friday funnies to send us into the weekend per usual. Ryan's kind enough to collect some of the funniest things in the week in the uh, worldwide world of sports and maybe even beyond that. Before I ask you to get into that, Ryan, I want to follow up on last week. Did they ever catch that chicken in Louisiana that was just uh, uh, tormenting bank, bank goers? <laughs> Uh, from what I've gathered, no. Uh, it's, still, it's still escaping the authorities, which I got to give it credit for going that far along and not being found. Elusive, uh, aggressive poultry. Yes, that is uh, that is a scary thing. <laughs> I I so watch out if you're in <laughs> in the south, it's going to terrorize you. So, uh, but the first thing I'm going to start with is it's not necessarily funny like moment, but it's it's an interesting way to describe Nebraska football. Mm. Um, it's been down for this stretch. It uh, they said the Huskers dominated the 1990s just like boys to men 
and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> but nobody wonders why Boys to Men isn't atop the billboard and Snipes wasn't in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I might throw up uh, the Chicago Bulls and Seinfeld in there too. Uh, very much so. Mm. I mean, it's like it was there, but mm. it's gone now. I mean, it's like Nebraska's. Nebraska is reaching a point where it's just like you wonder if it's ever going to reach. Mm. I don't think it's ever going to be what it was, but maybe a respectable, <laughs> you know. I but I thought that was an interesting way to describe it. Wesley Snipes and Boys to Men. <laughs> uh, Dallas Braden came out and said for his perfect game that he was hungover. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a character. I I always liked him as a pitcher. I think I like him more as a broadcast analyst. I, I, that makes the perfect game even more impressive for me. David Wells also threw a perfect game while he was hungover. Yep. It's, but it's still not Doc Ellis level. No. Doc Ellis throwing a no hitter while high on LSD <laughs> will forever be <laughs> the premier thing. Fun that is fact, the gold standard. In, in a couple weeks, June twelfth will be the 50th anniversary of Doc Ellis throwing a no-hitter on LSD. Wow. So I, I, I consider that one of the top five gr most biggest accomplishments in <laughs> baseball history because I didn't think that would ever happen. Um, uh, you got Trevor Bauer's phone number was accidentally released uh, during a Korean baseball broadcast. Trevor's providing commentary in between innings. And since it's a Zoom call, um, uh, or I can't remember if it was Zoom or it was FaceTime or something like that, but his phone number was listed right on top <laughs> of his of his face during the broadcast. So since people now know his phone number, so they can harass him during game during, after games, uh, he said that I'm going to give away signed cleats and a signed baseball for anybody who calls in. So he's a uh, <laughs> He's uh, taking advantage of it. I got to give him that. Um, so I, I'm glad he's taking it in stride. He's probably changed his number by now. But uh, you know, to just kind of take a moment and just realize, okay, this was a mistake, but I can change my number. It's not that big of a deal. I so. actually did watch that broadcast where he was on with I think it was Boog Shambi and Jessica Mendoza, and then, and uh, I think that was. Maybe last Saturday night I was up late watching a little Korean baseball. But uh, Trevor Bauer is one of those guys, and like you said, I do give him credit for how he handled it because he's known to have a temper. His last throw with the Cleveland Indians went over the center field wall, not because someone hit it, because he was angry at getting pulled from the game. And uh, he will he's very responsive on Twitter. If you come at Trevor Bauer, he's going to come back at you. He's he's. He's got a short leash, but I give him credit. He's uh, he's going about this in stride. Yeah, I, uh, I there are times where I'm not a huge Trevor Bauer fan, but uh, I'm glad he's doing it the right thing and just kind of going with it. Um, Brooks Kepka, golfer, um, decided to trash talk Michael Jordan on the golf course. Mm. Now, if we've learned from the last dance, trash talking Jordan is just not a good idea. No. And uh, even if you don't trash him, he'll make up a story just to motivate him. <laughs> As we found out in that, that poor guy, he didn't even say a thing. <laughs> and, and that was the motivation for him. Um, but Brooks said he's playing Jordan on the golf course one time. They're walking on the 17th hole, 
and uh, Brooks is just giving him little jabs because Jordan's losing. And Michael Jordan says, it's the fourth quarter now, and I don't lose. He won 17, and on the 18th green, Brooks said he shook my hand and said, where's your wallet at? (laughs) So Jordan came back from being down in the golf (laughs) and his golf putting to win the game. To win the match, winning 17 and 18. I, uh, Brooks said I, I probably knew better not to trash talk him, but I did it anyway, and it came back to bite me. Hey, Kepka so. is one of the best golfers in the world. Like that's the motivation that Jordan. Uh, that's all he needs, and <laughs> and he beats one of the greatest golfers in the world at like maybe Jordan's. I don't know. Is golf or baseball his secondary sport? I think golf is. Um, I know he tried that spurt in baseball. um, Did better than I thought he would do. But uh, I think golf is his thing. He's so motivated on the golf course. So um, uh, I got a couple more I'll get in. Um, LaShawn McCoy famously spoiled the ending of Avengers Endgame Mm. and got so blasted for it on Twitter and on social media. He said it was the worst decision of my life. And then decided he was going to make it worse by saying, I didn't know people got into cartoons like that. (laughs) Okay, first of all, that's not a cartoon. (laughs) And second of all, you've now made people mad. You've now made Marvel Comics people mad (laughs) by your little jab you just threw. (laughs) So Sean McCoy tries to make things better, ends up making it worse for himself. J.D. just dude apologize and move on don't 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 try to do more than that um johnny menzel have you seen the clip where he tried to backflip yes yes uh for those who haven't seen it he tried to backflip off some rocks into the water ends up completely biffing it it gets tweeted out by the nfl and espn obviously the jokes are flying about it he took it in stride and said that went about as well as my time in the league so I'm glad he's reached yeah, this point. Maybe John's growing up. I was a bust. I made mistakes. I'm owning it up to it at this point. Um, I We have time for one more, right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, one more. Uh, in 2016, it was revealed that um, during the Lions-Vikings Thanksgiving game, the league replay shorted out because someone tried to reheat food in the microwave connected to the same circuit that the replay system was in. <laughs> Apparently, it was Thanksgiving. They made holiday meals, got them from Whole Foods for the crew, and people were like, okay, let's heat up the food. It's a little cold, and decided to do it in the microwave that's attached to the instant replay <laughs> system, and it completely shorted out. I didn't think microwave food would short out the system, but that's what they said happened. Um, I, That's my favorite story. As much as good as all the funnies were, that's my favorite one because who would have thought that would be the thing that knocks out the instant replay system? Why would they plug the replay system into the same outlet as the microwave? Well, I – wouldn't you, like, put the microwave, like, behind the scenes maybe like in the hey you know in the utility room or like maybe up in the press box you just say hey come on up here for food uh you know not 
where the circuit is that, you know, kind of like the game depends on. It would be like if the scoreboard completely shorted out and it finds out, well, some guy wanted to microwave his, his yams that he had. And uh, <laughs> so we had to, so, um, you know, sorry, guys, we want to replay on that catch for a touchdown. We can't do it. Some guy microwaved his food and everything, you know, completely fell apart. I, that's got to be a pretty powerful microwave to knock out an entire system. But that's like a macrowave almost to, to do that. I, it's my favorite funny because of anything, I didn't think that would be the thing. So. I tell you what, that is, uh, boy, that's just great. And amazing we can do that here in the modern era. But, you know, I, we're, we're having holy moly on TV, and uh, I guess I shouldn't totally be surprised. But that's a good way to send us into the weekend, I tell you what. Always good having you here. Thank you again for the funnies lending us your time. And stay safe, be well, and uh, looking forward to next week's show. Sounds good. That's it for us here in ESPN-UP. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe. All of you be well. I'm back on Monday, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join then. Until then, for Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.